connected with our Christian school, and uh, he preached and won. Wasn't it first place for for the state? Was that state or was it national? Let's let's make it national. <laughs> Sounds good. But uh, back in those days, we had a little we had a little uh, step stool for him to stand on behind the pulpit because he was short. And uh, that's something he inherited, so he got it justly. Now, famous last words. We know that last words are very important, and we tend to remember last words of people. Here are some famous last words coming from the lighter side of life. Don't worry. I read somewhere that bears mostly eat roots and berries. Famous last words. I'm making a citizen's arrest. Famous last words. Are you sure the power is off? What do you mean, duck? Famous last words. I wonder where the mother line is. Guess they soon found out. Famous last words, these are the good kind of mushrooms. Okay, now watch this. Famous last words. Honey, give me a fork. This dumb toaster is jammed. I'll check to see if he is dead or just hibernating. And number 10, save this one for last for a reason. Yes, honey, uh, this is famous last words. Yes, honey, I think you do look fat in that outfit. <laughs> Tonight, we'll open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 18 in verse 21. Forever, man has been enamored with power and with its manifestations. I'm not talking about nuclear power or atomic or jet power or even the power of kings or government. Did you know there's a lot of power in money? A lot of people are controlled by it. But tonight, I'd like to preach a while on the power of the spoken word. When our talking about atomic power, when our pilots dropped the atomic bombs back in the 1940s in World War II on Japan, they said, my God, what have we dropped? Because the thrust of the explosion had an effect on thrusting the plane high up in the air. 80,000 people were killed at one time. Wicked rulers will declare war where tens of thousands of people are killed just to expand their power. Hitler killed as many millions we're aware of. And the Bible says money is the root of all evil. It's because of the power that's associated with money. Spouses sometimes abuse their power one over the other. 
But tonight, talking about the power of the spoken word. Somebody said, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That makes for a nice little jingle, but that's not true, folks. It's not true. A great deal of indigestion is caused by people having to eat their own words. Amen. A spoken word is a throwing stone that cannot be recalled. We're talking about the power of the spoken word. Let's read just one verse here in Proverbs chapter 18 in verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the town, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What a statement. What a truth. But this can be factually demonstrated over and over in us seeing it in everyday life around us. But what a contrast of consequences here. Death and life in the power of the tongue. It's talking about the power of words. Since we all have a tongue, we knowingly or unknowingly exercise this power. What an awesome responsibility then that we have in the choice and choosing of the words that we speak. Surely this death is not so much talking about physical death, but the death to someone's dreams, the death to somebody's ambition, the death to somebody's happiness. The death to somebody's success. Death to somebody's betterment. And the death to somebody's promotion can be because of the spoken word. The power of the spoken word can have an effect on the eternal destiny of people. Does not the Bible say if thou shalt confess the Lord with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Confessing? How do you do that? The spoken word. There's power in the spoken word. The power, let's talk about number one, the power of good words. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, the Bible says, heaviness is in the heart of a heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Oh, that's such a blessing. How many of you have been down? You've just been down. And, and you were trying to lift yourself up, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It don't work very good. Next time, step in a bucket and then try to lift yourself up. See how that works. But then somebody says some words, words of encouragement that lifts your spirit. Correction does much. And we need correction. Your kids need correction. You thought they were little angels when they were born. But then later on you questioned angels from where? There's two kinds of angels you read in the Bible. But I'm saying correction does much. But encouragement does more. 
You may have a splendid idea, but you may be hesitant. You may be unsure about it, to act upon it. And then someone steps up and encourages you to step out on faith and come on, tackle the thing. Go ahead and do it. And if you do it later on, you'll be so glad. But actually, it was the encouragement of some friend or somebody else that helped you cross that line. The power of the spoken word. One conversation can charter or redirect somebody's life just by the words that you speak. 37 years ago, we were in for a big change in our lives. It's when we got saved and left the Amish religion, the Amish culture. And just to put it lightly, it was a culture change. Yes, um, and a culture shock, I should say. So we were fresh out of the Amish. And uh, I, I was pretty limited on what I could do. And I, having had polio when I was a little kid, two years old, I guess it was the sins of my father's that I was paying for. But, so I was limited. In fact, I was a school teacher for 14 years. And uh, we sent our kids for a while to the public school until we found a Christian school. But uh, the public school teachers were part of the church we were going to. And so they said one day, I said on a sign, say, you know the kids you sent to our school? They're ahead of our kids. They're really well taught. You must have been a good teacher. You should come and teach in our school. I said, when can I start? Tomorrow? That was on a Sunday. Asking for a Monday. Oh, oh no, you'd have to go to school for four years. So you'd be dumb like the rest of us. <laughs> so, by the way, I added a little bit to that conversation. We preachers take privilege on that from time to time. And so, uh, it, that was in 1984, and we knew the next year there was going to be the sesquicentennial celebration in Hannibal, Mark Twain's birth, 150 years. He was born 1835, and this was 1985. And so somebody said there might be a million visitors coming to Hannibal. What could we do? We talked, what could we do that would make a big difference that we could, if we could make some little toy of some kind and sell a million of them, and make a dollar a piece, that would make us? Well, that didn't pan out. So we said, what about hitching up a horse to a wagon and giving rides to people? You reckon people would ride a horse and carriage? I know how to do that. I don't have to go to four years of uh, college for that. And so, yeah, let's do that. So we were downtown, my wife and I, did some, did it shopping and said, because somebody told us, if you want to do that, you're going to have to talk to the mayor and talk to the tourism director. Well, I started thinking about that. I said, I don't want to talk. To, I don't know what to say to the mayor. Let's just, let's just not do it. And then my wife said, honey, let's do it. You can talk. And she encouraged me to go make, have I told you about my wife, how wonderful she is? Oh, that's right. She told me, ooh, you ought to see her look on her face. She said, skip that. So I'm not going to tell you that she's 
the sugar in my coffee and she's the cherry on the top of my ice cream. I didn't even go into that. But she was a wonderful, she said, go talk. Let at least just go talk to them. And I went and talked to them. That made the difference of 25 years of my career, driving a horse and buggy, giving rides to people from all over the world. I loved that occasion. There were several times there were some people from Germany on. They were just, they were just jabbering away back there. Well, I can understand German. And after uh, uh, the tour was close to the end, it was about over, I said a couple of German sentences. You heard everything we said? Yes, ma'am. Now, I urge you to engage this power of the power of words. We can use, it makes a difference in life. There's immeasurable results. The power of the spoken word. Oh, and I'm thinking, I was thinking even in, in putting this together, all oh, the debt of gratitude I owe to people long ago that made a difference. And the power of their spoken word made a dynamic impact upon my life. And as a result, it impacted my children. And as a result, it, impact, it impacted my grandchildren. And it goes on and on. The power of good words, number one. That's number two. Right words for the right time. In Proverbs chapter 15, the Bible says, A word spoken in due season, how good is it? Remember, we're talking the power of the spoken word. By the way, in the, there's not that many verses in the Bible that have an exclamation after it, but this one does. In your Bible, you'll see that. But timing is also extremely important. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the Bible says there's a time to speak and a time to keep silence. Right now, it is my time to speak and a time for you to keep silence. Unless you want to say amen. you got to pass on that one. Time to be born, a time to die. Time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. You know, that's in, the, in, the, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. A time to heal, a time to kill. Time to weep and a time to laugh. How about this one? A time to love and a time to hate. Well, preacher, I thought we're supposed to just love everybody and everything. No, the Bible says the fear of God is to hate evil. And you can't love God properly without hating the devil. Amen. Just because you feel an urge to open your mouth and say something does not mean that you should. The wise man refrains his tongue, but the fool speaks all his mind. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 14 says, A fool is also full of words. And sometimes that's what defines a fool of many words. There's a time, right time for words, right words at a right time. When you're at a funeral home, there's, there's a room with, a, with people, a lot of people with broken hearts. Don't you be telling some silly jokes and laughing out loud. And there's a, There is a time for that. Uh, a time and a place for humor. 
There's a little saying, even the wisest of men enjoy a little nonsense now and then. But at the funeral parlor, that's not a place to do it. Not a place for loud laughter and so forth. Proverbs 25 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. That makes for a beautiful picture. And words can make for beautiful sentences and beautiful thoughts. Right words for the right time are an art. And here's the nice thing about art. You can practice it and you become better at it. I was listening to some of your musicians after church was dismissed this morning. Everybody was out there jabbering away and chatting and saying a lot of nonsensical things. Well, saying a lot of things. And I noticed several of the musicians in here were practicing special for some other service. Do you know the, the special that we heard, that you hear in church, they don't just happen. They're prepared. Somebody's working on it to be a blessing to others. That's an art. An art can be learned. So always be on the lookout to say right words at the right time and be an encouragement to inspire others to go to greater heights than they've gone before. And we have the opportunity to exercise the power of right words. We have that opportunity at the right time, at the right place. Amen. And here's, here's the important thing. If your heart is in the right place, you don't have to worry so much about what you say. Because the Bible says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, speaketh good things. And an evil man, out of his evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. That's the bottom line. No wonder then that God says about the heart, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Didn't our text say death and life are in the power of the town? That's a lot of power, folks. Proverbs 15 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I was thinking about that recently. One thing that I had to contend with driving a horse for 25 years in Hannibal, every once in a while, somebody would come from the animal rights camp. Anybody here from the animal rights camp? Raise your hand so I can expose you tonight. <clears throat> and so, they would really criticize me for that driving the horse. Don't you? This is awful. Making this horse pull all these people. I wanted to ask, how do you think the West got settled? But, and, and they, they would give me a long line of how, and I would just smile at them as they talked to me. I would look at them in the eyes. You know what you tend to do when somebody scolds you and somebody tells you things that you don't want to hear? You look down. So I made myself look them in the face, hear what they said. After they got through talking, how, how was I to respond? Well, I felt like responding, why don't you mind your business and I mind mine, and we'll both be the better for it. But instead I said, you know, I'm so glad that you care about my horse. This horse is a very good horse. 
He's practically a family member. A big one, too. And so we, I said, would you like, th this horse loves, we spoil this horse all the time. We, I got treats with me. I, got, I bring apples, and sometimes we get day-old bread and, and bring it along, and, and sweet rolls. Oh, that horse loved sweet rolls. He would just, he would, he would eat until he would slobber and make a mess. But uh, folks loved to watch me. Say, somebody said, boy, this horse is eating expensive groceries. Well, they didn't know where I was getting them. But by the time we were finished with the conversation, I had them smiling. They were petting the horse. And he said, you know, I believe this is a happy horse. I said, you got it right. We got a long way to keep our horse happy because, by the way, it was a happy horse that made me happy because I did the collecting. I'm saying words make all the difference. <laughs> One day I had a lady came down and she was telling me, she said, I used to have ponies. We'd give pony rides. And these animal rights people would come and boy, I'd tell them where to go. I would really, oh, she said how she scolded them and how she told them how often. And I said, you still have that? No, she said, I quit that bit. Why didn't you quit? Well, they shut me down. And I thought it was words that make the difference of our success, of our failure. Words, and many times, the words that we speak. Amen. Did you know it's words that, how true it is that words destroy? Words destroy friendships. Words can cut so very deeply. How many of you can remember words that were spoken 50 years ago? because they hurt deeply, and we remember them. Words can break hearts, they're that powerful. Did you know that lies are made out of words, good words, but they're just, they are reconstituted, for lack of a better description. I mean, is it raining outside? You can take those same words and say, it is raining outside, when it's not raining outside, it's all, one was a question. It can be not a cloud in the sky, it's not a lie, the way those words, they ask a question. But if you twitch it around, the same words can make up a lie. So I'm saying, many lies are made with beautiful words. They sound good, but they're nevertheless, they're lies. This is what Job said, and he said this to his friends, folks. This was not to his enemies. It's one thing when enemy lies to you, but it's really bad when, it, when, it's a, when it's a friend that lies to you or a family member that lies to you. And so Job says, How long will ye break me in pieces with words? Why did he say that? Because there's power in the spoken words. Even after you are in the grave, your words live on. The Bible says, Blessed is the memory of the just, but the name of the wicked shall rot. So the words, even after your tongue lies silent in the grave, the words live on that you spoke, and on and on, because people are defined by what they say and what they do. And so words live on for good or for evil. Hitler is still 
remember for the words he spoke. But they're not good words. I suppose he said some good words in his life, but not, nobody brings those up. It's the bad words, the lies. Matthew chapter 12 says, evil words that men shall speak. Every idle word that men shall speak. They shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Condemned. And as far as eternity is concerned, I'm so glad that Jesus took my judgment and he was judged even for the wrong words that I speak. However, wrong words have consequences even in our life here. But let's be careful what we say. Let's think about what we say because words have heavy consequences. Heavy consequences. Number four, the danger of telling lies, or I could say the danger of believing lies. The Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not bear false witness. That is simply saying, don't you lie, don't you tell lies. Yes, liars use words, and they often use smooth words and good words, but they are misplaced, rearranged, making it a lie. Did you know, according to the Bible, hell is populated with liars? That's a serious thing, what we're talking about. But Jeremiah warned the people the seriousness of believing lies. It's one thing of telling lies. It's also serious in believing lies. Here's what he said. Ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. What do you think was the situation where Jesus said, Many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And Jesus says, I will say unto you, I will say unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Now, what class of people was that, folks? That could very well have been the class of people that believed the lie that you can get to heaven by good works. And listen, that generation didn't only live back then. There's a whole host of denominations today that teach and preach. Good works will take you to heaven. The humanists that don't even believe in heaven think that good works take you to heaven. It'll take you a while to figure that one out. Give me two. You trust in lying words. There's eternal consequences. The apostle Paul warned in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. The power of the spoken word. Vain words can also be powerful in a wrong way. Now he says, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of this, of these things, cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Disobedience to the word of God is serious. Our generation makes real light of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing what I should be doing, but you know, God understands. Really? The Bible says a lot about the wrath of God as well as the love of God. It's good for us to consider that. Well, I want to take my last point. 
And don't, don't get, get too excited. Sometimes my last point is the longest point. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I cannot discern what you are thinking. I cannot discern what is going on in your heart. God can. And the word of God right now is working in the hearts of everybody that is listening with intentions. The power of God's word. You know what Isaiah chapter 55, and I pray that's true for tonight. The Bible says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void unto me, but it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper into the thing that I send it forth. God sent his word and one day it found lodging in my heart and how I thank God for it. A life-changing thing. Jeremiah says, 23, 29, Thy word is like a fire, burneth like a fire. And it's like a rock that breaketh, like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. That's the power of the word of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, As it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And just to let you know, when Jesus said that, he was quoting the Old Testament. And don't you tell me that the Old Testament is not the word of God, is not equal to the New Testament. It is all of it is the word of God. All is given by inspiration of God. And I thank God, not only was the word of God inspired, but it's preserved. Hallelujah. Preservation of the Word of God is as miraculous as the inspiration of the Word of God, especially when you consider that in most countries today, the Word of God is outlawed. America is the exception. People are dying right now, even today. And last week, they're dying because they did nothing but were discovered having a Bible. By the way, those countries that are doing that today, we're once where we are at today, becoming more and more antagonistic to the things of God. America is on its way. America that outlawed the Bible from the schools back in the early days of Congress. Congress allotted and bought $20,000 worth of Bibles or 20,000 Bibles. I forget which way it was. For the purpose of putting them in public schools for the children to learn to read. Today, it's illegal, the separation of church and state. Somebody asked one of our legislators, the liberal ones, about that. What do you make of that? He said, well, the ones who wrote the Constitution didn't really understand the Constitution. Do you know what an idiotic statement that is? That's the statement of an idiot speaking. And by the way, we've got a multitude of them today. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. All things that were made were made by Him. 
and my, nothing, everything that is made was made by him. That, that completely destroys evolution, the teaching of evolution. I, I love what the soul winner that led me to the Bible, led me to salvation. And he started with this, one of those words. These I have written, these things I have written unto you. <clears throat> That's adding ten minutes to the sermon, by the way. <clears throat> These things I've written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life and that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, the Bible, the Bible is, the Bible is not the, the, uh, the, 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 the Bible is the Word of God. It is not to be denigrated, to be put down, or to be made light of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, folks, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? God bless you if you have trusted Christ. If you have not, then tonight is the time. This is the right time to trust and receive Christ as your Savior. I remember I argued against it. I said, well, you can't know these things. And this is the verse that my soul winner brought up. These things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. Amen. Let's make this the conclusion. Words are powerful, powerful things. It's a power to be reckoned with. And all of us tonight have to do with words because we can speak. We can speak and we can hear. We can understand. Praise the Lord that we have been given a choice and God gives us the choice to obey him and to obey his words. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord.